welcome to the Ron Pertie Show, the only show on the internet, so the radio waves that thinks Thanos was right. Today on the program, we're going to be talking about a slew of things. We're going to be talking about dating apps. We're going to be talking about nursing facilities. We're going to be talking about Blank Fest Wisconsin coming up this weekend. And we're also going to be talking about the MPAA and their fight with Lars von Trier and IFC. But first, introductions are in order. My name is Ron Pertie. I am your host... I'm a simple man with simple pleasures, and doing this show is one of them. I want to thank you for tuning in. You can find all roads point to Ron.World, where you can find all of my social medias. You can find past episodes. Once I update the site, we're still working on that. Um, things happen. But you know what? We, we deal, we adapt, we, we move along, and we get things done, right? We make sure things get done. And that's the important part, right? That's the important part. Um, so, yeah, everything is over at ron.world. All the places that you can listen to the show, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, um, all sorts of things. I don't know, is it Apple Podcasts now? I'm not exactly sure. I'm not. Um, but And then we're going to be uploading um, clips from each show. To the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Ron Pertee. Um, and uh, you can also find the PayPal donation button, which uh, you can donate to the program, help keep things afloat uh, in lieu of Patreon where you can do a monthly rolling th- uh, donation and get uh, cool perks. Perks are fun. People like getting things for things. It's just the way it works, right? I think so. It's uh, it's how the world works. Um, I'm sorry if I seem a little distracted this week. I, I, we'll get into the first uh, first topic today. We're going to talk about nursing homes and rehab facilities within those nursing homes. And I know if you've listened to the podcast before, uh, I, I've talked about this stuff. And I've, I kind of, I'm letting my real world interject into my, my, my professional world. And I don't know if it's a good thing or if it's a bad thing, but I've seen firsthand how, first off, I think hospitals are a joke. Um, for those that don't know, my mom is in a rehab facility right now because she broke her leg on October 13th. Uh, she was in the hospital for a little while because there were other issues they were dealing with as well. Fine. But instead of giving her a couple days in the hospital to get back up on her feet and walking around because it was just a, a fibula. It wasn't a bad break. They forced her out, basically. They said you can either go home or to a rehab, and she wasn't ready to come home, so they had her go to a rehab. Okay, fine. The rehab mixed dementia patients in with the rehab patients. Um, the rehab was kind of garbage. Um, the place was garbage. 
Um, they're filthy. Food, horrible. They would over-medicate her, under-feed her, and then expect her to do jumping jacks, basically. So she comes home. Uneasy. And she didn't feel right the day she came home. She didn't feel up to snuff. But that was the day. Gotta go. So she comes home and falls again. Doesn't break anything. Um, Her knee's a little swollen, but she's fine. Um, They put her back into a rehab. After, say, a week in the hospital. She's been up there for going on three weeks now. And she's coming home soon, which is great. Which is great. But this place, while the rehab is fantastic, the rest of it's hot garbage. As the kids say. Hot garbage. You know, and... I go up every day to see her, to help out, and as her caregiver, who gets paid to take care of her, I have to go up there and basically be helpless and see how all this is going on and helping her with her therapy because they can't get her back into bed because they don't know how to do it without hurting her. There was an instance where she left her light on and bad things happened and she had to wait for hours. Where they've lost her food or not answered her call light. You know, and that's and that's a bad thing. And I don't mean to be so super down right away, but I want to get this over with before we get to the fun stuff with the MPAA. <laughs> because that's a that's a great topic. But it's hard, you know. As her caregiver, it's hard because when she's in the hospital, I don't get paid. So I haven't been I haven't been paid in like fifty days. And I know some people are out there because I know some people are like, but you're you're doing a podcast and you're on the radio and you should be you should have all this money. No, 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 no. I'm 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 being real with you. Right? This is how we work. We have transparency. Things are super tight right now. There's There's been there's been some rough times and there's more coming. And with Christmas coming, it's It's super hard, you know. You just, uh, you do what you can. 
and it's never enough. Bills come due. Cupboards go bare. But hey, here I am doing the show. Sometimes it's hard to reach out your hand for help. And not find a hand there. I'm I'm sorry I shouldn't vent like this, right? I'm being completely unprofessional, but yeah, I just I have to let it out somehow. This is my show. This is what I have to say. I kind of. I think that maybe some amazing person's going to find out my story and take pity. But then I remember who I am. But being up at these places, there's a lot of downtime. Spent a lot of time on the phone, uh, watching videos. Um, so going on Instagram, doing all sorts of weird thing things. And I end up, I end up on dating apps a lot, and because I'm a single fellow. Go figure, <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah. So I go through these dating apps, and one in particular, Plenty of Fish, and I'm just going to call you out on this Plenty of Fish because uh, I think it, I don't know if you do it on purpose or if it's just the way your your system is set up. Um, but I I notice that when <laughs> Um, I don't do my, I don't have much activity on my, on my, on my profile. I don't do, I'm like, I'm not active that much. And then I get active and I start, you know, it's not cruising. What's the word I'm looking for? Surfing, I guess, through profiles and I'm looking. Uh, that's when I'll start getting messages like, oh, so-and-so wants to meet you. And you look at their profile and you know, they're a bot and you know that they're only hitting you up because, uh, you're not getting any kind of response from anyone else. So they see you as weak. They see you as vulnerable. They see you as an easy target for that Nigerian prince money. Barking up the wrong tree today, honey. I, uh, in fact, what's hilarious is t it just happened today. So I want to go through this profile on the air with everybody uh, from uh, 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 I, they don't give a name, but oh, I'm not going to give their profile name, but I get a message at 1.37 a.m. I'm recording this late at night because I know you people want to hear the dulcet tones of my voice. I don't want to keep you from it, but this is this is the message I get. Hey there, smiley face emoticon. Is that what it is? I'm old. I don't know these things. So, okay, she doesn't have a picture, so let's check out the profile. Her her 
profile headline is want meat. M-E-E-T. At first I thought want meat. Like, oh, well, go to a butcher shop and you'll get meat. Um, she's 43 from the Green Bay area. She wants to date, but nothing serious. Her profession is saleswoman. She's five foot two. Her education is high school. She has no kids, but she's looking for friends. Outdate friends. Her body type is athletics. Like, have you not looked at my photos? I'm kind of portly. Her personality is travel. She traveler. She's not religious. Doesn't smoke. She's Caucasian. Doesn't matter. Uh, she's seeking a male. Good, cause I am one. Uh, does not want children. Uh, whatever. Um, at that point, I think you might be p- pushing it. Forty-three. Uh, do you drink? Prefer not to say. Well, I think you do drink. To survive. No drugs. They have a car. They're an Aquarius with black hair, blue eyes, no pets. Um, and how ambitious are you? Not ambitious. Obviously, because I'm reading your profile. About me. And here's where I knew I was dealing with something special. I like met with fun people. Dot, 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 dot. And it's M-E-T-T. I mean, I guess I don't get it. You have to be... a special kind of stupid to message that person back. Be like, hey, I want Met too. It's like, seriously, if you have some weird name on your profile, or for your profile name, some weird name, and you expect me to respond, it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. That's just not how it works. Oh, I just got right now, oh, breaking news, da 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 Somebody wants to meet me. I can't believe it. Of course, they look like a a damn model, which means it's probably a bot. But hey, let's uh, let's see what happens. I also love how when you set up the parameters on these dating apps and you say, okay, well, I don't want to meet anybody outside of like 10 miles away from me because I don't want to drive forever back and forth in a relationship. I mean, why, why should anybody have to drive that far? And, I mean, I know there's the whole, oh, well, distance girl makes a heart. No, don't give me that. It's 2018. Distance, distance makes the heart grow, go cheat. So when like Round Lake, which is pretty far from me, or Gurney, which isn't too far, but far enough. It's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not, what? I guess I just don't get it. I don't understand why they changed their parameters. 
It doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but uh, you know, you do what you got to do, right? I love. I love these these profiles. Though they're kind of like people always put their best foot forward, and then when you meet them, uh, their worst foot comes forward first. Um. Well, I met my ex on, on one of these things. And and that went horribly wrong. I am a ball of happy today, aren't I? I'm just full of just sparkling rays of sunshine. And this app. Oh, oh, hey, remember that the one that, that just liked me, folks? I found her. I found her on here. Fox Lake. Illinois. Sorry, honey. Just too too darn far. What are you going to do, right? I mean, if you don't believe in love, what's... Life isn't worth living, right? Is that how the, the, the saying goes? But it's weird when I when I'm especially wasting time while I'm up at the rehab center and I'm on these things because I'm closer to a lot of these people and that's when you see people that are outside of your area. And you're like, "Oh, well you're a lot closer now." And maybe not as far as I thought. And then you realize they're 5 miles away from where you're at, which is 10 miles away from where you live. And living in Wisconsin, the weather is not always that fun and not always that uh, cooperating, as it were. And I kind of feel like I'm rambling. I kind of do, but you know, I, I I feel like I have to kind of vent today. I think this is the this this beginning portion of the program is the vent portion, and if you make it through, then you get the good stuff. Then we get to go after the Hayes Code, and we get to go after the MPAA and how they're how they're messing with Lars von Trier. I mean, he's a controversial figure to begin with, but I mean, sometimes the the MPAA just gets gets ridiculous. And we'll be getting to that soon, I promise. I swear. But how are you doing? Are you doing good? I hope you're doing good. If you want to drop me a note, I'll read it on the air. It's uh, show at ron.world. Again, that's show S-H-O-W at Ron.World. We'll read your letter on the air. And uh, you let me know how you're doing. What what topic would you want to talk about? What 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 do you feel strongly about? And you want to hear, hear my thoughts. Because boy, do I have thoughts on everything. As it's obviously... Obviously, the case. Um, 
I love interviewing people, and once I get more people to interview, we'll get that fun going. But at this point, it's kind of hard with the holidays, and um, I, I have a habit of taking a break from doing stuff. And if you build up all this momentum, it goes away, and it's difficult to rebuild that momentum. But I'm working on it. I'm trying because you people are awesome, and I, I want to keep that relationship going with you. Because uh, if you if you if we don't have interaction, what good are we? It was funny one of the aides up at the. The rehab laughed at me today when I said I had a podcast. Like, wow, really? And she said, no, I just don't see, I just don't get podcasts. I just don't get them. What's not to get? You listen to people talk about stuff. You find that niche topic that you're, you're into. And then you don't have to worry about listening to all sorts of other stuff on the radio. That's not what you're listening for. You don't have to sit through all the drivel. I'd like the dribble that I'm giving you now. You know, it's, uh, it's a good time. But that kind of... So this week has kind of been the week for insults, too. I've been getting a lot of... Uh, Backhanded compliments, which I love. I love backhanded compliments. You know, because you can tell that these people are trying to be nice, but they're horrible at being nice. Just horrible. Um, so that's always fun. But I want to talk about something, one one more thing before we, we go to a break. And that's Blankfest. Um, Blankfest was started, I want to say, 22 years ago now. Uh, in Nyack, New York, by the singer and guitar player for the Bagdadios, Ken Rowell. And what Blank Fest is, essentially, is, is a homeless benefit. Uh, but it's not a homeless benefit in the way that you think it's a homeless benefit. It's a homeless benefit in the way that instead of donating money or time at a shelter, uh, it collects blankets. And what they do is they collect the blankets and... Um, then they go out on Christmas Eve and they give the blankets to the homeless, which is, which is fantastic. It's a, it's a fantastic thing. And 12 years ago, um, I had met a friend of Ken's named, named John. Not sure I could give out last names cause I don't, John wants to be a public person anymore. Uh, he had moved to Wisconsin and I met him through an old streaming service that we were both part of. And I found out about Blank Fest, and I figured, what better place to do one than Wisconsin? Because it gets a little cold here. At least that's what the the news reports uh, are are telling me coming up here. So I decided that we needed to do it here, and I met up with uh, my friend and tavern owner uh, JJ McAuliffe. Who owns McCullough's Pub. And he also owns McCullough's on the Square. Which is a smaller venue downtown. And at first I, wanted to, I just wanted to do something small. In the, in the downtown venue. And then we realized we wouldn't have. Any room. 
so we went to the bigger pub, which is a little bit more out of the way, but it's bigger. It's got a better sound system, and it's it's more known for concerts, which is what Blank Fest is. It's a concert, and the only way to get in is to bring a blanket. So the first couple years, we were just doing one day with a bunch of bands, and we collect we would collect hundreds of blankets, and we would give them to the homeless shelters. Well, this weekend, Friday and Saturday, the 7th and 8th of December, here in Racine, Wisconsin, um, is Blank Fest Wisconsin 12. And we've got a big lineup of bands on Friday. We've got Hot LZ. We've got Josh Krug and Friends. We've got Rocky Rose. We've got Nick Ramsey and the Family. Uh, on Saturday the 8th, we have uh, If I Had a Hi-Fi, Hey Muchacho, and Gorilla Ghost. Uh, all, both nights, are gonna, there's something for everybody. And the only way you can get in is with a blanket. But in Wisconsin, we have a caveat. You can bring $10 to, to donate and get in if you don't have a blanket. Or you can bring toiletries. And over the past 12 years, we've been able to grow to such a point where we can give um, to... And we've, we're able to stock pretty much every shelter in town. And we're reaching into outlying communities uh, like Kenosha. Uh, to help them out as well. It's kind of a, it feels really good to help out people who uh, don't even have a roof over their head. Um, been doing that for 12 years now because it needs to be done. And uh, if you can make it out, it's at McCullough's Pub in Racine, Wisconsin, 3700 Meacham Road in Racine. Um, look for it on Facebook. Um, if you're listening in the area, it's it's a, a worthy cause. It's a good time. Um, lots of uh, lots of great people come out to the event. And if you can't come, but you still want to donate, there we're taking donations at the pub. Um, we've been taking them, and uh, it's it's for a worthy cause. And uh, you would all be um, great people if you came out and uh, and helped out. So, well, we're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the MPAA versus IFC and Lars von Trier. But first, we're going to get a little bit of history about the MPAA and how they started. You're listening to The Ron Pertee Show. Hi, I'm Layla Ali. I might be undefeated in professional boxing, but there's one problem even I can't fight alone. Childhood hunger. Over 17 million kids in America may not know where their next meal is coming from. That's one in five children. Yet billions of pounds of surplus food produced right here in America just get thrown out every year. That's more than enough to feed every last hungry child. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids before it goes to waste. But they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank by going to feedingamerica.org. Together we can knock out hunger. Together we're Feeding America. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is Scientific American's 60 Second Science. I'm Christopher Intagliata. Blue whales are the largest animals ever to exist on Earth, but they're still tough to track. 
because they live underwater where we can't easily see them, and often in remote areas, like the Southern Ocean. But the whales' songs can travel hundreds of kilometers underwater, so scientists often listen for them instead. By the way, that's sped up 10 times so you can hear it. Over the years, these eavesdropping biologists have noticed a mysterious trend that certain blue whale calls are gradually lowering in pitch over time. For example, here's a call from 2002, followed by one from 2017. It has been observed for many blue whale populations worldwide. So this phenomenon has to have a worldwide explanation. Emmanuelle Lois is a bioacoustician at the University of New South Wales in Australia. She did the work at the University of Brest in France. Her team confirmed the phenomenon holds true for populations of blue whales in the southern Indian Ocean, too. And they suggest one reason, maybe, that whale numbers have rebounded from the days of Captain Ahab. More whales means individuals don't have to shout as loud to be heard by other whales. And because of an anatomical peculiarity in the way whales sing, the softer they sing, the lower the pitch. The scientists have another theory, too, which may be acting in concert with the first, which is that whales are singing more softly, and therefore more deeply, because increasingly acidic ocean waters carry their calls further. The full write-up is in the Journal of Geophysical Research, Oceans. Lawa and her team noticed one other short-term trend, that southern blue whales' songs actually get higher in pitch during the austral summer, perhaps in an effort to be heard over cracking icebergs. Like when you put some ice cube in your drink, you can hear it crack. So it's the same for an iceberg. So it will be really loud and you can hear it across an oceanic basin. To solve these mysteries more definitively, the scientists say we'll need to keep listening and monitor the changing chemical and acoustic properties of the oceans to see which of these ideas are borne out and which of them don't hold water. Thanks for listening. For Scientific American's 60-Second Science, I'm Christopher Intagliata. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom, but a little over a year ago, we realized she couldn't take care of herself without our help. And, well, how could I not be there for her? I had no idea how hard it would be and just what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and, even for me, ways to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics that got me started, but also information about the hurdles I was facing in this new role. I could even connect with experts and hear from others who had been in my place. I know this road we're on isn't an easy one, but I'm really happy to have the extra help for her and for me. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. This message is brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And we're back. You're listening to the Ron Pertee Show. I am your host, Ron Pertee. If you missed the first half of the show, we talked about dating apps, nursing homes, and the rough time I'm having. I, 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 I went there. I got personal. I am your host, Ron Pertee. Uh, you can find all the information you need over at ron.world. 
links to social media, past episodes, links to the PayPal donation button and the Patreon as well. All sorts of cool perks uh, with that. Um, coming up here, we're going to be talking about the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America. But before we get into that, a little background as to why this is an important story to me. I don't want to just kind of say, hey, let's talk about this because I saw an article. No, I, I, have, a, I have a stake, so to speak, uh, in this. I'm a filmmaker. I make movies. I, I just wrapped on one, and we're in post-production. And uh, I hear stories all the time about how the MPAA really messes with um, the indie director. How if an indie director goes to the MPAA to get a rating, they will say, okay, well, you're going to get this rating. And that's and that's then that's final. And if you say to them, "Well, what do you what do I got to do to get an R if they get an X or something?" And if you're an indie production, the MPA isn't going to tell you anything. They're just going to say, "We we're not a censorship board. We can't tell you what to take out." So you have to go through there and cut what you think they want you to cut. Now. That being said, if you are a big studio and they say, well, okay, well, you're getting an X rating and you say, well, what do I have to cut to get an R? They'll give you a list because it all comes down to money. You know, not creative vision. It's all about money. Isn't that great? Uh, it's happened, it's happened to, to the best of them. And it's happening to Lars von Trier right now with his movie, The House That Jack Built. Um, but before before we get into all that, let's talk a little bit about the MPAA's genesis, how it how it formed. Um, it was it was um, it's it's uh, essentially it's a trade or association that represents the six major film studios of Hollywood. Um, it was founded in 1922. As the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America. And its original goal was to ensure the viability of the American film industry. Um, and, and they established these guidelines for film content. Which resulted in the production code of 1930. Or as they call it, the Hayes Code. Which was named for the first president of the MPAA. Um, the former... Uh, Postmaster General uh, William H. Hayes. Now, for a place that doesn't isn't isn't there to um, tell people how to make their movies, and they're not a censorship board, I think that's hilarious. You know, and then this Hayes Code, the code consisted of moral guidelines regarding what was acceptable to be included in films. Um, the, and it was endorsed by studio executives. The codes, the code kind of incorporated, um, a lot of examples of what could not, could and couldn't be portrayed, but there were other rules. The code prohibited inclusion of sympathetic treatment of crime or criminals, um, dancing with indecent moves and white slavery. 
I think that's hilarious. You can't show white slavery with the Hayes Code. Isn't this this organization sounding great, folks? Um, now, because studio execs had been involved in the decision to adapt the code um, at the time, the at the time it was called the MPPDA, their members, uh, the studios were more willing to submit scripts for consideration. Um, but the growing economic impacts of the Great Depression of the early 30s really increased the pressure on studios to make films that would draw the largest possible possible audiences. You know, because they got to make money. Uh, even if it meant taking the chances with the local censorship boards uh, by disobeying the code. So we had us some rebels back then just for the dollar, which is a good thing, I suppose. You know, um, but I mean, as far back as like 1933, 34, uh, the Catholic Legion of Decency, <laughs> along with a number of Protestant and like women's groups, they launched plans to boycott films that they deemed immoral. And in order to avoid boycotts, which might harm the profitability of the film industry, the MPPDA created a new department, the Production Code Administration. Uh, and Joseph Breen was placed at the head there. I wonder if he's related to Neil Breen. Oh, that's somebody I'd like to go back in time and kick right, right in his area so there's no Neil Breen because those movies are horrible folks. Neil Breen movies are horrible. But un, un, unlike previous attempts at self-censorship, um, the Production Code Administration decisions were binding. So basically what that means is no film could be exhibited in American theater without a stamp of approval from the PCA. And any producer attempting to do so faced a fine of $25,000. So that's, that's, you know, and then after 10 years of unsuccessful voluntary codes um, and expanding local censorship boards, the studio approved and agreed um, to enforce the codes. And the nationwide production code was enforced starting on July 1st, 1934. So that's when movies got real good, folks. That Hayes Code. You know, so this is where it, where it all started, the Hayes Code. Um, how, how things got real bad. Um, um, now things happened, uh, during the war that, that they, you know, the films were used as propaganda and the war machine and, and stuff like that. Um, but around 1945, the MPPDA hired Eric Johnson, who was a four-time president of the United States Chamber of Commerce, to replace Hayes as president. Uh, and during his first year as president, uh, he rebranded the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America as the Motion Picture Association of America. Um, and he also created the Motion Picture Export Association, uh, which promoted American films abroad as a, as a opposing production company monopolies in other countries um and in 1947 the mpea voted to discontinue film shipments to britain after the british government imposed well this is great an import tax on american films and uh though he he negotiated with the british government and about uh 1948 uh, the tax ended and film shipments resumed i'm i'm shocked that they didn't just take the films 
and throw them overboard. Have their own, have their, uh, uh, like a, a Newcastle film party. Um, but then at that point, um, in 1956, uh, Johnston oversaw the first major revision of the production code since it was created in, in, in the 30s, and the revision allowed the treatment of some subject which, subjects which had previously been forbidden, including abortion, uh, the use of narcotics, um, as long as they were within uh, the limits of good taste. So, you know, doing cocaine within good taste, you can put it in there. Um, but at the same time, uh, the revisions added a number of new restrictions to the code, including outlawing the depiction of, depiction of blasphemy uh, and mercy killings in films. So if there's that person who's basically dead from the neck down and will not live a full life and they want you to kill them, you, back then you could not show a pillow going over their face. So this is where, this is where uh, Kevorkian comes, comes in. Yeah, so, but then um, in 19, uh, 1966, this is when things really started to kick off. Uh, that's when Jack Valenti st- uh, took over. He's being aide for President Johnson. Um, and, and Valenti, he replaced the production code with a system of voluntary film ratings in order to limit censorship of Hollywood films and provide parents with information about the, uh, the whether or not the film's appropriate for their kids. Uh, and, and, and in addition to concerns about protecting kids, Valenti stated in his autobiography that he sought to ensure the, that American filmmakers could produce the films they wanted without the censorship that existed under the production code that had been in effect since 1934. Really? Really? That's... That's fantastic. That is a fantastic line of, uh, uh, it's been a, (laughs) I just, I can't, I can't believe this. This is, this is, Jack Valenti is, his eyes must be brown because he's full of it. You know, and that's when they started doing the, uh, rating system. Um, and that's the thing is a lot of people think X is, it's, it's, X is associated with pornography, but it's not. Um, X isn't exactly pornography, and there's no such rating as triple X. Um, a, a film like Fritz the Cat is rated X, and that's p- not pornography. It's a horrible film. It's in bad taste, but it's not. So you see how that works. Uh, and then in 1990, the X rating was removed, was given the old boot, uh, and now they have an NC-17. Uh, and, and, and what I want to get to now with the MPAA, now that you know what's going on, um, with, with the history of the, of the Motion Picture Association of America, that bastion of good taste. Okay. This is what's going on. The MPAA, in its infinite wisdom, has decided that they may be placing sanctions on the Lars von Trier film, The House of Jack Built. And that's the thing. From what I can tell, is that it has nothing to do with content of the film. It has nothing to do with that. 
what's going on is is that IFC Films is facing sanctions by the MPA moving the MPAA um, for screening an unrated director's cut of the House of Jack built uh, this last Wednesday night without getting the appropriate waiver. Okay, now the unrated version it, it was playing for one night only in select theaters in more than 100 cities across the country. And on December 14th, an R-rated version of the movie, which is about a serial killer who mutilates his victims, including women and children, uh, will debut uh, in both, uh, in a smatter, like, you know, a bunch of cinemas and on digital platforms. Now, apparently, and I quote, the MPAA has communicated to the distributor, IFC Films, that the screening of an unrated version of the film in such close proximity to the release of the rated version without obtaining a waiver is in violation of the rating system rules, uh, the Motion Picture Association of America said in a statement to The Hollywood Reporter. The effectiveness of the MPAA ratings depends on our ability to maintain the trust and confidence of American parents. That's why the rules clearly outline the proper use of the ratings. Failure to comply with the rules can create confusion among parents and undermine the rating system and may result in the imposition in, in, they're going to put sanctions against IFC films now here's the thing any parent who takes their kid to see a Lars von Trier film on a Wednesday night at a uh, I think in Chicago which was the closest one to me uh, was the music box alright some people have cool parents, and I'll do that. You know, but any parent, I mean, and that's the thing, okay? I mean, it's not that close. It's about two weeks away. I don't get that. The MPAA is is garbage. And the sanctions apparently are going to be determined after a hearing of the Classification and Ratings Administration. And, and that's the place that administers the ratings on behalf of the MPAA and the National Association of Theater Owners. Now, here's the worst part. is possible sanctions include revoking the official R rating or worse, suspending the ratings process for any other IFC films currently before the Classification and Ratings Administration. An IFC could also be suspended from participating in the rating system entirely for no more than 90 days, according to the, the rules. Um, and IFC Films responded to the controversy on Friday. Um, they issued a statement that had uh, that no one had received a written notice about any MPAA-related sanctions. Uh, and, and quote, it has always been IFC Films' priority to maintain the artistic vision of our filmmakers, and we do not believe that one-day screening of the director's cut unrated version has violated the MPAA's classification and ratings rules. Um... I and and granted, this film is not exactly Ralph breaks the internet. You know, this isn't exactly a, a happy family film. And when it played at Cannes, it prompted walkouts and groans. And the director, Lars von Trier, this is the first time he's been at Cannes for seven years after being banned for making jokes about Hitler. I mean, let's, let's, I, I just don't get it. 
And I mean, on last Thursday, the AFC reported that the special showings in the 140 theaters grossed r- almost $173,000. And that's roughly about 1200 per screen. I mean, I think the MPAA is getting out of control. I always see places like the Music Box or, say, the Alamo Draft House or the New Beverly or places like that. I always saw those as bastions of, play, you know, bastions of hope within film where you can go and you can watch a movie and not have to worry about, you know, what the MPAA is going to think. Because those are places for film fans. The the uh, 15, 16, maybe 20 screens at the, the multiplex, that's for the family. That's where you take the kids. That's not where you're going to see a Lars von Trier film. You know. That's not where you're going to see... Um, you know, after Toby Hooper passed and, and there was a double feature at the Avalon in Milwaukee, that's where the double feature of Texas Chainsaw Massacre was. You know, to pay honor to Toby. You won't find that at a Marcus Theater or Cinemark or AMC. You know. You're not going to go into one of those. I mean, I was I was shocked to see that they played the original Halloween right before the, the, the new one. And I, I, I definitely went and saw it, and I enjoyed it. Seeing it on the big screen. It's not the first time I've seen it on the big screen. Probably won't be the last time I've seen it on the big screen. But I think the MPAA is kind of overreaching their bounds at this point for... They're kind of telling filmmakers what they can and can't do in regards to release of their film. Because this isn't even a content issue, despite this being a graphic film. You know, this has nothing to do with what happens between the start and the finish. This has everything to do with how they dare show the director's true vision one night two or three weeks before the official release date. We can't have that. We can't have we can't have a director's true vision up on that screen. You know, because who knows what's gonna happen. Bad things are going to happen. You know, someone might, someone might be inspired to start making movies, or someone might think, "Wow, this is an amazing story. I'm glad that I got to see this." Or, I mean, there is the opposite end of the spectrum with, "This was horrible, and I need to burn my eyes out with bleach." You know, the MPAA needs to let people have their reactions, needs to let people experience things, not what they want them to experience. You know, 
I mean, I'm not exactly sure the date, but I remember it. It wasn't up until I want to say 20 years ago or so, maybe more, that the bad guy could win. You know, the bad guy always had to get his comeuppance with the Hayes Code because the MPAA said so. You know, these the and, and the studio heads. I mean, they're these are the same people who were all set to to get rid of, of every copy of Citizen Kane because William Randolph Hearst was unhappy. There's nothing artistic about the MPAA. There's nothing artistic about these studio heads who sit in these offices and write these checks because they want bigger checks to come back. And I mean, I understand business. And if you're putting a lot of money into something and you want a, you want a return. But then there's the age-old question, is it is there is it okay to to sacrifice a vision for a huge chunk of money? You know, are you willing to 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 take out that extra bad thing just to get the R rating? Or are you willing to be like George Romero and put out Dawn of the Dead unrated. You know, back back then, they wouldn't, if it's an unrated film, they wouldn't advertise for it in the newspaper. It would say, uh, unrated film playing at such and such time, call theater for name. And now, by today's standards, if you watch the original Dawn of the Dead, you're going to think, well, that's, that's kind of tame. It's very tame. But 40 years ago, when that film first came out, I can imagine some of the imagery shocking people. And I can only imagine how far Lars von Trier went with the house that Jack built if it's got people walking out of the theater. I mean... (laughs) How far how far do you have to go in 2018 to get that kind of a visceral reaction from people? I haven't seen the movie. I can't say whether or not it's good or not. But I respect the fact that he made a film. And I respect the fact that he has a right to share his vision. And I, I don't respect an organization trying to stifle that vision. You know, and uh, I, I suggest that people go out and they watch more cinema. Like actual proper cinema. Go to the movies. Go to the little art house films and or the, uh, cinemas and watch, watch films that you wouldn't normally see. You know? Maybe a place, a, a little tiny one-screen one cinema in your area is playing a Bergman picture. Go see it. 
or maybe they're playing the Italian for America for Italian uh, horror pictures pieces. Go see that. Don't let a company, an organization rather, like the MPAA, who says they're not a censorship organization, to filmmakers. But yet they put a rating on your on their movies. Tell you what to watch. Tell you what to what to think. Go and live life. Enjoy it. You know? It's what you gotta do. Gotta go have fun. And speaking of fun, this weekend, Racine, Wisconsin, 3700 Meacham Road, McCullough's Pub, Blank Fest, Wisconsin, 12, December 7th and 8th. And on the 7th, we have Rocky Rose, we have Hot LZ, we have Josh Krugan Friends, and Nick Ramsey and the family. And don't forget, on Saturday, the 8th, the roof gets blown off the joint with If I Had a Hi-Fi, Gorilla Ghost, and Hey Muchacho. All donations uh, go to the area homeless shelters. Um, Women's Resource Center, all sorts of fun places. You know, help people uh, in their time of need. And don't forget to head to ron.world for all of my social media links, my PayPal donation button, and my Patreon. Um, And if you have a question that you want addressed, send me an email, show at ron.world, and we will go ahead and try and get that letter on the air and talk about what you want to talk about. Um... Try and keep it clean, folks, though. You don't know how hard, how hard it is not for me not to curse. It's 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 so hard. But I do it. I, I handle it. I do. So you've been listening to the Ron Perti Show. I want to thank you for listening. And we will see you next week, folks. Don't forget to feed the fish. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.